Thank you for joining Spiritfield Celebration Church's podcast. Please join us now as service is already in progress. It's great to be here this morning, and I'm glad you're here this morning. Amen. Gloria a Dios. When you hear somebody shout, Gloria a Dios, that's one of my people out there sitting in the crowd. Now, you know there's lots of Hispanics around you, right? And every day there's going to be more and more because our numbers increase mysteriously. And we're here to stay. Get used to it. (laughs) And you might as well go ahead and learn some Spanish while you're at it, you know, because they say that um, French is the language of love. English is the language of business, but Spanish is the language of heaven. You might as well go ahead and start learning. (laughs) Hey, I'm really glad to be here this morning. Thank you uh, for that wonderful, um, unnecessarily long introduction. (laughs) It's like when I, sometimes I hear that stuff, like, who are they talking about up there? But I've I've always been a, a great admirer of your pastor, Frankie. Uh, anyone who can look uh, that glorious and radiant and the shining Shekinah glory of God coming off of his head, <laughs> the way he pulls it off, you've got to admire that in a guy, right? And there's several of you in here. I see, you know, they say that, a, that, that, that the sheep look like their pastor. I see several in here who really relate to their pastor in that way. And I'm on my way to... And, you know, I heard this morning that he's, like, running the, the marathon. I'm like, you're kidding me. You know, I've had those thoughts <laughs> of running a marathon. And then as soon as that thought hits my head, I take that thought and bring it under subjection in the name of Jesus. Step on it. Make sure it stays there. Then I run to the kitchen for a bowl of cereal, you know, that's the running I do, <laughs> so my best to him this morning, I, I really, I really do appreciate Frankie and Allie, they're great, great men and women of God, I just want to honor them in this house and, and honor you, and thank you so much for inviting me here today, you know, there are two things that Christians, we do really, really well. There are two things that we love to do as Christians. The first one is we love to eat. Right? Christians, we love to eat. We'll pretty much find any reason to get together to have some food. You've read the scripture where two or more of you are gathered in my name. There will be a barbecue. Have you read this scripture? Yeah, it's in there. You just need to look for it with creative eyes, but it's there. You know, churches, we're always like feeding ourselves. And and especially if you're from a Hispanic church, you know, we'll always be selling some tacos, some enchiladas, some tostadas, some chalupas or something at the end of the service. Right? Right? At the, at the back, there'll be the pozole. Mm? Some churches, some menudo. 
right? And they're always saying that it's pro-templo. That means it's for the construction funds, right? Pro-templo, they call it. Pro-templo in, in our Hispanic culture. So the pastor will get up and say, hey, hello, everyone. We have tacos this morning, and it's pro-templo. You know, but these pro-templo funds, they go on year after year after year, and they still haven't built anything. So I got to thinking, one day, yeah, it is pro-templo, the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's what they're building, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and you can look around and see some folks, you know, doing a really good job building their temple. You know, the Bible says our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm? And, and Christians, we love to build our temple. Right? Some, some people already going to, you know, they've passed the temple stage. They're on a cathedral stage, you know. <laughs> Lots of room for the Holy Spirit to move on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, we love to build the temple. The second thing that we do as Christians is we, we love to sing. Christians love to sing. You know, I guess it's because since we don't smoke and chew and run around with those who do, we like to eat and sing. And sometimes we put these two together and have, I remember going as a kid, my, my papa, I, I'm a fifth generation preacher on my mother's side, right? So there was no option for me. <laughs> and my papa, they would have what they call dinner on the grounds. Sunday singing dinner on the grounds. It started at 9 o'clock in the morning. We'd sing all the way to noon. Then we'd eat dinner on the ground, which meant on the grounds, outside in the, you know, in the bushes and in the trees. And then we'd come back in and we'd sing till about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, we would sing our brains out. And um, we loved to sing as Christians. I grew up in a church where they had special music time where it was literally kind of open microphone. You know, some people thought the Japanese invented karaoke. That's not true. Christians, we invented karaoke, right? Because we would open up the microphone and somebody would get up and say, hey, does anybody have a song they'd like to sing? Maybe some of you grew up in one of these kind of churches, right? And that, what literally that meant was people could come forward whether they sang or not, they could come forward, they'd grab the microphone, they'd say things like this, I don't know how to sing. Right up front. I don't know how to sing. But I want to give you this song for the honor and the glory of God. That's what they'd say. Do you remember this? So then, then they would open their mouth up and start producing these sounds that let all the rest of us know that they were right. They don't know how to sing. The most amazing thing is that they knew it. And so we'd have to sit. Oh, they'd also say really, really interesting things like this. Don't hear my voice. Now that's an interesting one for me. As a musician growing up, I was always like, don't hear my voice. Put the microphone down then. They would say, don't hear my voice. Listen to the words to this song. Oh, that sounded so spiritual. 
Listen to the words of this song. I always used to think if they want us to hear the words and don't want us to listen to their voice, why don't they just make photocopies of those words? They can hand the lyrics out to all of us. We can read the words and we won't have to listen to their voice. Some of you out there saying, Pastor Marcos, how come you're judging their heart? I'm not judging their heart. I'm judging their voice. Their heart was in the right place. They just didn't have the voice to go along with what they were attempting to do. Be that as it may, Christians, we love to sing. We love to eat. And and those are two things that we do really, really well. Sing and eat. (laughs) One One day I'm in Chile, in South America, and this reporter, she comes up to me and she asks me, she has this frown on her face, she says, Marcos Witt. Why do Christians sing so much? It's like she was aggravated about it, right? And my answer was pretty natural. I said, oh, that's easy. What happens is when when people are in love with each other, they sing to each other. And Christians, we live in love with Jesus Christ. And that's why we sing to Jesus Christ all the time. So that's one of the reasons why we sing. Are you in love with Jesus Christ this morning? Awesome. Well, give him a good hand clap then instead of his little patty cakes. So the reason I'm talking to you about this is this morning I'm going to talk to you about why it is we sing and worship. Why do we sing and worship? Is it just something we do so that the latecomers can get in? No. Is it something we do because it's just part of our program and there's nothing else to do? No. There are reasons why we sing and we worship God. In fact, the title of my message this morning is, Why Should I Be a Worshipper? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why should I be a worshiper? When Isaiah and the guys get up here and they say, Come on, let's worship God. Maybe you've said a couple of times, Why should I worship God? That's what they do. That's the, they, they, in fact, they're called the worship team. You better not say amen to that. They are the worship team, but we should all be worshipers. In fact, there's a scripture in John chapter 4 where Jesus actually says these words. The Father is seeking people to worship him. When I read read that scripture, it still blows me away, this image of God the Father looking to see. Wonder if there's any worshipers over in that section over there next to the window. Guess not. <laughs> Nobody responded over there. I don't know. Let's see. Wonder if... Yeah, do you see this picture? God's... See, it says John 4. Read your Bible. It says John 4, 23-14. The Father is seeking. He's looking. Wonder if there are any worshipers over in that section over there. You know what? Just for the sake of, uh, I'm going to give them another chance at it over here. I wonder if there are any worshipers over in that section over. I knew they were. They just were like warming up. Can you see this picture of God seeking worship? And I wonder why God has to seek worship. wonder if there's any over in this section over here. (laughs) 
Now, you guys have a chance to blow them all away because I left you for last. So let's give it a shot. Wonder if there are any worshipers in this section over here. Uh, they have one up on all you. You know, see this picture of God looking for worshipers. Wonder why. Wonder why there's not an excess of worshipers. Why isn't there a surplus of worshipers? Why isn't God saying, okay, okay, that's enough, everybody. Settle down. You've worshipped me enough. No, instead of that, it seems to be that human nature continually has to be encouraged to worship God. And one of the main reasons why is because so many times we end up seated on the throne of our own life. Oh, I think I'll start preaching right about there. So one of the reasons God has to seek worshipers is because the very essence of worship is putting God on the throne of our life and us having to take a secondary role. And having to do what, the, what the, the elders did in Revelation, they took off their crowns and laid them at the feet of Jesus. But that's another message that I'll preach another time when Pastor Frank invites me to come back out to Celebrate Church, if he invites me. Why should I be a worshiper? Today I'm only going to give you three reasons right. Hopefully you have something you can write down with, because you're going to want to go back later and look these up and it's going to help you. But I'm only going to give you three. I mean, there's like hundreds of reasons why you should be a worshiper. I won't even go into the aspect that we should be worshipers out of obedience. I'm not even going to touch that subject. I'm not going to touch the subject the fact that worship is the second most talked about subject in the entire Bible. I don't know if you knew that. Righteousness is the number one subject talked about, dealt with in the Bible. Worship is the number two subject dealt with in the Bible. I'm not going to talk about the commandments that there are in the Bible about worship. I'm not talking about the benefits. I'm just going to give you three reasons why we should worship. Reason number one. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Look alive. Come on, Chris. Rocha, look alive up here, man. Reason number one. When I worship God, it makes him big and my problems small. It's a matter of perspective. When I worship God, he becomes greater and my circumstance becomes smaller. You see, it's, it's, it's not that I need to remind God that he's great. Hello. Anybody out there this morning? Now, Listen, watch this very carefully. God knows he's great. Can you say amen to that? He doesn't need me to remind him, oh God, how great you are. You're great, you're great, you're great, you're great. And God goes, oh, I'm so glad you reminded me. I almost forgot this morning. No, God knows he's great. Everybody say that out loud with me. God knows he's great. The reason I have to remind God about how great he is isn't because he's forgotten it's because I've forgotten I need to remind God that he's great to remind myself that he's great you see every time I tell him God you're great 
and you're greatly to be praised. Every time I do that, I keep things in perspective. And the perspective is this. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-sovereign. He's all-glorious. He's omnipotent. He's, oh, if you're going to clap, come on, give me a clap. Don't just give me a little patty cake. He's great. And he can and will intervene in my life and in my circumstance. You see, when we start looking at our problems and we intently look on our problems and we're always focusing on our problems, the problem starts getting bigger because you're looking at it all the time. And God wants you to remember what it says in Psalm. In fact, I saw somebody putting scriptures up there. Throw up Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we're looking at our problems so much and we're running around trying to figure out how we're going to get it done. And we're looking at it and we're studying it from this angle, studying it from that angle. And boy, especially in the United States, can we analyze better than any country in the world? I'm telling you right now, we are the best at looking at the problem from every possible angle. If you don't believe me, just look at CNN one day or Fox News and how they can take one tiny little thing and turn it into 24-hour news cycle and bring in about 20 experts from every different possible angle of one problem. And man, we can turn this tiny little thing into a national news event. Hello? And you do that on your very own at home. These termites. Oh, how'd these termites end up at my house? And we study it from this side, and we study it from that side. Now, I'm not telling you not to do anything about your termites. What I'm telling you is sometimes we're looking at a problem that's not really big if you were to look at everything around that problem. But the more you bring that problem in, and the closer you bring that problem, your perspective gets distorted. And now you've got a problem, you've brought it up so close to your eye that the only thing you can see is the problem. Now while you're dealing with this one, guess what happens? Because this is human nature, this is life. Problem number two will pop up. Stay in there, stay in there. And now you're looking at problem number two and, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do about this? How am I going to take care of this problem? And you bring it in closer and you bring it in closer and you bring it in closer. And before too long, you're dealing with two small problems, but you're blind to everything else because all you can see are these problems. You can't even walk. You can't even do anything because all you can see are these two little problems. What you've got to do is you've got to raise your hands. Everybody raise your hands. See, I can't even see if you're raising your hands or not. Because all I can see are my problems. I can't even see what's going on around me. Is anybody even out there? Are their hands raised? Raise your hands and say, how great is our God? And when you say, how great, I, that problem all of a sudden, whoop, still goes out. He goes out. And you bring perspective to your situation. I'm not belittling your problems. I'm making God greater in your life. See, that's why every time I say, 
How great? No, I need a higher key than that, my friend. Come on. I'm a singer. Give me a singer's key. What key is that in? Now, give me a higher one than that. Thank you very much. I love Isaiah, by the way. He's one of the, I tell you right now, he's one of the best musicians in the entire United States. You thought I was going to say Houston area. This man travels all over the world. I mean, he's famous. People get his autograph. I don't know if you know that. You guys see him, and Ah, oh, there's Isaiah. There's, he's a famous guy. You better treat him right. Somebody's going to hire him away from you. <laughs> he's famous. So what was I saying, Isaiah? Oh, oh, here we go. I'm a little ADD, as you can tell. So every time you say, how great is our God, that problem boom, goes out a little further. How great is our God? Watch, watch, watch. Boom. And the longer you hold the note, the problem gets even further away. How great! Sing it with me. How great is our God? Now, you've got perspective. It's not the you to remind him that he's great you need to remind yourself that he's great you need to remind that problem that God is great every time that problem hears you say how great is our God that problem goes Ooh, shoot he's found out he's found out that I can't control him I can't manipulate him I can't put him around my finger I'm not going to be able to do with him what I want him to do because he's understood that God is greater than any problem that any of us might have in the world. Come on, I need an amen about right there. How great is our God? Sing with me, how great. Come on, sing it out.
them a clap offering this morning. Before you're seated, I want you to raise your right hand to the sky. I'm actually going to prophesy in Jesus' name that many of you, when you get home this afternoon, your circumstance has changed in Jesus' name. Your problem has changed. It's gone. It's been removed in Jesus' name. Father, fight for your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now sit down because I'm not done preaching yet. Now see... When the enemy hears you make those kinds of powerful declarations, okay, he has to flee. And your problems come into perspective. There's no problem that God can't solve. I need a better amen right there. <laughs> There's no problem too big for our God. He is great. He is powerful. All right, I told you I was going to give you three points, right? Hello? Y'all yeah. here this morning still? I told you I was going to give you three. How many have I given you so far? All right, what's the first one? Why should I be a worshiper? Number one, because it makes God great. It makes him big and my problem small. It's a matter of perspective. If you want to write it that way, that's even a better way of putting it. It's a perspective issue. I become a worshiper. I worship God to keep things in perspective. I need to remind myself, my problems are not greater than my God. All right, here's number two. Are you ready for number two? Why should I be a worshiper? Well, number two, it helps you keep a spirit of thanksgiving. Being a worshiper helps you keep a spirit of thanksgiving. Thank you, Isaiah. You're, you're, you're dismissed. You can go sit down somewhere because I'm going to play the next one because I can play the piano too. stay close by. It helps you keep an attitude of thanksgiving. Okay, do you remember Psalm chapter 100, verse 2? Enter his gates with, do you remember this scripture? With thanksgiving. And then it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his, you know what Psalm 100 is, actually? When the, when the writer is writing Psalms 100, he's actually giving us a road map into the presence of God. He's thinking about the tabernacle of Moses. There were gates, there were courts, and you kept walking in, and there was the altar, there was the holy place, and then there was the holy of holies. Okay? And Jesus Christ, our high priest, he rips the veil and opens up the holy of holies for every one of us to go into his presence. But it starts at the gates of what? You can't get into God's presence without going through thanksgiving. It can't happen. You can't be, boop, automatically transport. No, it comes through thanksgiving. It goes through praise, comes through worship, and that's how you end up in God's presence. You want to end up in God's presence somehow or another? Let me tell you this. You got to get rid of your griping and complaining. Now, I know none of you gripe and complain in Celebration Church. I know that. That's those other churches along the way. All the ones you passed before you came here, they're the gripers and complainers. I'm kidding. I don't know, but it's possible. I'll tell you what. I do know this. We are master gripers and complainers in the United States.
mean, we know how to complain. Don't we? Don't say amen. Don't say amen. You might be sitting next to one of the greatest complainers. Don't look at him. Don't. Please, keep your eyes up here, please. Keep looking at me. Don't, ladies, ladies, resist the urge to give your husband that big old elbow. I'm telling you what, sometimes I'm in message and, and I get bruised on my rib side. My wife's in there, bang, bang, talking to you, buddy, bang. Stop that in Jesus' name. All right, no ribbing. Don't look. I tell you what, you can't get into God's presence if you're a complainer. I don't understand. I don't know why. And I don't know why. If it wants responsibility, don't they know who I am? Complain, 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 gripe. That's too hot in here. That's too cold in here. That's too much light in here. That's too dark in here. I can't hear the drums. They keep them back there in the cage. I can't hear the singer. I can't hear, why is our pastor so bald? Why did they, how come this guy he brought in today, how come he's so excitable? And I don't understand why. And we just, everything, we got some kind of an analysis for. Come on now, I'm preaching. Come on now. You know what? I've got a news flash for all of you. The language that is spoken in heaven is the language of worship and thanksgiving. If you're a griper and a complainer, that's the language they speak in hell. Oh, did I just use that word in church? I did. Griping and complaining is the enemy's language. He loves you to speak. The language of griping, complaining, murmuring, backbiting, spitting. <laughs> Usually when I preach, anybody on the front two rows gets rained on. Folks, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Are you thankful this morning? I mean, you might have just had a bowl of cereal, but you had one. Come on now. Are you thankful for the job you've got? Are you thankful for the clothes that you wear? All of us are. All of us are thankful for the clothes you wear, if you know what I mean. Hello. Hello. I can't imagine the thought of you not having them on today. They may be hand-me-downs. You might have bought them at Macy's. You might have bought them at Saks. You might have bought them at Salvation Army Department Store. But we're glad you're covered this morning. That's all I want to say. All right? We don't know where you got it, but we're glad you did. Are you thankful for the shoes you wear? Are you thankful for the car you drive? Now, I know some of you drive probably a car where you're Guardian angels are actually looking at it a couple times going, should we even get on this car? You know, you see some of these cars, they're driving down 45, and they got a wheel that's dancing in the presence of the Lord. They're blowing a smoke screen out the back. Their guardian angels are hanging on for dear life, interceding and calling out to God for mercy. <laughs> hey, but it got you here. It's yours. Thank God for it. Come on now. Are you thankful for your kids? Are you thankful for your wife? If you don't have one yet, start thanking them now in advance for one. Are you, how many of you 
married, married men in the room today. How many married men? Look, keep your hand up, guys. Look at this. I mean, have you seen yourself in the mirror? <laughs> My friend, you should be thankful this morning that that lady was blind enough long enough to say, yeah, I do. God gave her temporary blindness so she'd marry you. I mean, look at you. Come on, men, say thank you, Jesus. Turn to your wife and say thank you, sweetie. I really appreciate you marrying me. I know there were lots of other great choices out there, but you chose me. Are you thankful? Come on, be thankful. Give thanks, it says. In everything, give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. This is God's will. You hear people all the time talking about, Oh, I wish I knew God's will for my life. There's one of them. You don't even have to ask about that one. You know, what should, what, wonder what God's will for my life is. Well, that's one of them. He says, It's my will that you be thankful. Thank you for my groceries. Thank you for my pantry. Thank you for my dog or my cat or my neighbor. Thank you for my boss. Work on him, Jesus, work on him. But thank you for my boss. Folks, there's something about being thankful that turns you into an extraordinary person. Ladies, how many married ladies are here today? All you married ladies, I tell you what, that guy you married, he may not be the thin, hairy guy. Lots of hair on his head when you married him. He's all thin and good looking, you know. His hair might have fallen off onto the floor. His chest has fallen down into his belly. His belly's fallen down to his knees. You know, he might be, you know, his teeth might be like the stars because they come out at night, you know. I don't know. I don't know what your situation is. You know, I don't know, but he's yours. Thank God for him. Come on now. He's a hard worker. He's provided for you. Look at him and say, baby, I love you. Come on, ladies. Turn around and tell him. It's probably been a while somebody's told him that. Encourage him in his faith. He says, baby, I love you. You really are good looking. Even if you have to say it by faith, go ahead and say it. Folks, there's something about thanksgiving that moves the heart of God. When God sees you, see, here's the thing, and, I, and, and, and point number one. Remember what point number one was? Perspective keeps God great, keeps your problems small. Thanksgiving keeps God great, keeps your problems small. When God, do you think God doesn't know your circumstances? Of course he does. Of course he knows what you're dealing with. Of course he knows what you're going through. When he sees you worshiping him and thanking him in spite of what you're going through, that stirs him. That moves God's heart. But that's my point number three, so hang on. I'm going to play this piano anointed by the hands of Isaiah. <laughs> You got a thing down here that says panic button. <laughs> Where can I get me one of those? That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. 
a simple song. <clears throat> the Lord gave me in a city of Mexico called Chihuahua, Mexico. The city has no bearing on the song. It's just idle trivia. <laughs> Lord, you took me into your arms. You have given me great love. You have given me such mercy I'm unworthy of. Lord, your mercy everlasting I could never understand. But for all the love and grace you've shown to me, I just want to say that I fail. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. At the cross you gave your life for me as a gift of your great love was the gift of everlasting life from above I can boldly come before your throne through your blood I've been set free I'm gonna shout it to the heavens I've been redeemed Thank him for your job. Thank
thank him for his mercies that are new each and every morning. Come on, lift your voice and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the peace that passes understanding that you can have peace in the middle of your storms and trials and temptations. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Let me hear the voices of the people singing. Lord, I thank you. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you from the bottom. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Amen. 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 We applaud your name, O holy God. Great and mighty Lord. Worthy of glory and honor and praise. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, sit down. Sit down. We got to hurry up because there's the 11 o'clock crowd starting to show up. When you walk out, just look at them and say, it was good. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you doing that for me. Because they're going to like, is Pastor Frankie here? Pat no, but it was good. So, number one, why should I be a worshiper? Keeps things in perspective. God's big. My problems aren't. Can you say amen? amen? Number two, it helps me keep a spirit of thanksgiving. Okay? In fact, I'm going to give you some homework. Oh, come on, Pastor Marcos. Uh, I'm past the homework stage. No, you're not. <laughs> when you leave today and you get in your car, before you turn on Sunny 99.1 or whatever it is you listen to, kick, <laughs> or whatever it is you listen to, take two minutes, two minutes, or three, and tell everybody in the car, let's just thank God for his provision. Let's thank God that we have money to go have a little lunch somewhere today. Let's thank him for that because there are people who don't. Let's thank God that we got a belly that will take in some food. Because mm. there are people who can't eat today. Come on now. Let's thank God that we can hang out with each other and we all still have one another. Because there are people who've lost their loved ones today. Come on, folks. That's your homework. It won't take three minutes. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Dads, you lead it. Well, I'm not comfortable with that. Too bad. Get comfortable with it. I want you dads to lead it. Well, Pastor Marcos, in my house, my wife leads all that. Tell her to be quiet for just a minute. You lead it, baby. Come on now. That makes you uncomfortable. That's good. That means you're growing. You know, when you get uncomfortable, it's because you're growing. Like when your clothes get uncomfortable because you're growing. <laughs> All right, point number three, and I'm done here. 
That clock over there says I have 15 minutes and 31, 30, 29, 28, 27, number three. Are you ready for number three? Why should I be a worshiper? Because it mobilizes God's armies in my favor. Oh, my goodness. If I could preach on that one, we'd be here all afternoon. It mo- write it down. Write it down. It mobilizes God's armies in my favor. Okay, you've read in the scripture where it says he's the Lord of hosts. Have you read that word? You know what the word host means? It means army. And it doesn't say he's the Lord of one army. In other words, that would say the Lord of hosts. No, he's the Lord of hosts. That means, and a host is thousands upon thousands upon thousands, and he has thousands upon thousands of thousands upon thousands. Folks, he's got armies to fight for you this afternoon. Well, I think it's still morning time. But he has armies that will fight in your favor. And what mobilizes God's armies? Well, I'm glad you asked me. What mobilizes God's army is faith. Faith pleases God. When he sees your kind of childlike faith, where you will raise a hand to the sky, where you'll sing a song to the sky, and where you will thank him in spite of your circumstances, this moves him in such a way that he will release armies to fight in your favor. Now, I could talk to you all afternoon about example after example in the scripture of when God mobilized his armies in in favor of his children. But I'm only going to tell you one because we got the 11 o'clock folks ready to come in here in a few minutes. And besides that, some of you are hungry and ready to go eat. So I'm going to just tell you about one. God calls a young man out called Gideon. You've read the story. And if you want to read it again, you can go read it again. Gideon is this guy. He's hiding. They're under this amazing amount of pressure. They've got a ridiculous situation. They're surrounded by their enemies. And there are so many of their enemies that the scripture actually says there's no number to count them. There were so many enemies of Gideon and the children of Israel that they couldn't even count how many they were. They would just get up and look out and see this massive multitude of enemies. Let me ask you, do sometimes do you feel like your enemies are so great you can't even count them? Do you wake up some morning and look out your window and you see problem after problem after problem after problem after problem and you go, oh God, what am I going to do? God says, I'm glad you asked. I want you to raise a hand. I want you to sing a song. I want you to shout a shout of victory. I want you to praise. I want you to worship because I'm going to take care of your enemies in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody get excited. So Gideon, he gets called out. And God says, I want you to get a group of guys together. So Gideon brings a group of guys, about 10,000 people together. And God says, that's too many. Gideon says, wait a minute, what do you mean that's too many? Our enemies are outnumbering us, and I got up this group of guys. It seems like a nice group of guys, and yet we still need more guys. God says, send most of them home. And so God sends away 9,700 of them home. 9,700 of them. You just keep 300. How am I going to do this with 300? You're going to watch me work, God says. You're going to watch me do my thing. You see, lots of times we want to do our thing, and God's waiting to do his thing. Sometimes 
Christians, we think we've got the answers. We think we know how to get this done. We know how to solve this problem. And God's saying, I'm going to solve it in a supernatural, sovereign, overcomingly, overwhelmingly, potentially earth-shattering way that's going to shock, surprise, and awe you. All you got to do is worship me. So Gideon sends 9,700 of them home, 300 stick around, and they say, okay, what's the plan? Gideon says, well, this is the only thing I got from God. (laughs) He hands out 300 trumpets. Excuse me? (laughs) Trumpets? And he hands out 300 lamps that are covered up with a clay pot kind of thing. I don't even know what they're called in English. It's a thea. It's in Spanish. (laughs) So he sends a hundred of them on this side of the mountain, a hundred of them on that side of the mountain, and a hundred of them on the other side of the mountain. So they're they're around their enemies, a hundred here, a hundred there, a hundred over there. So Gideon says, guys, here's the plan. When I shout, grab your trumpet, break the clay, let the light come out, and then blow on that trumpet for all your worth. That's the plan. Let's go to the side of the mountain with one of these group of guys. It's three o'clock in the morning. They're standing there with their little clay pot. And they got their trumpet. Hey, hey dude. What do you suppose we're supposed to do with this trumpet? guess we're just supposed to beat him over the head with it. I don't know. He just said when he'd shout, we had to blow on the trumpet. Uh, I'm not real excited about this plan. (laughs) Can you imagine yourself standing on the side of a hill at three o'clock in the morning? You can hear the crickets and the stars are out at night, deep in the heart of Texas, and you're, and you're, And this is the plan? This is the plan. Parentheses. There's no searching his understanding. There's no way to understand in our human mind how God is going to act on our behalf. You might think you got it figured out. God's going to figure it out in his own way. And probably it's going to be a surprise to you how he figures it out. But what I do know is that he's never late. But he's never early either. (laughs) And you're standing there with your trumpet and you're standing there with your light. Oh, God. 
What did I get myself into? Why didn't I go home with the 9,700? Oh, God, help me out. I tell you what, though. When you read that story, and you can go read it, what happened was so supernatural that only God could have thought this plan up. The same is what's going to happen in your life. In Jesus' name, I prophesy, I declare it over you in the name of Jesus. Only God can take care of it. And he says, when I shout, you, you break that thing and you blow the trumpet. So when Gideon shouted, the guys were supposed to shout, for the armies of the Lord, for Gideon. Boom, they break the thing. Now, come with me to the enemy camps. They're all sleeping in their tents. There's a couple of them keeping guard. They haven't felt or seen anything. It's three o'clock in the freaking morning. Three o'clock in the morning. Have you been waken, awakened at three o'clock in the morning by a loud noise? Anytime? What's it? it sounds a whole lot louder at three o'clock in the morning. Are you with me? And these people over there, they're... And all of a sudden, all around them, at three in the morning, it's dark. All they see is light, light, light. Trumpets blaring, trumpets blaring, trumpets. And the Bible says these guys come awake. They wake up. They're freaking out. They don't know what's going on. And they start fighting among themselves. Hey, why'd you kick me? Stop kicking me. I didn't kick you. It was him. They punched themselves. And the Bible says that while Gideon and his guys stood on the side of the hill, blowing their trumpets, God brought confusion to the enemy. And they killed themselves among themselves. Come on, somebody shout a little bit this morning. They killed. All you got to do is blow the trumpet. Make some noise. Worship him. He'll take care of his enemies. Here's something you've got to remember. Psalm 68 verse 1. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. You think fear is your enemy? No, it's God's enemy. You think poverty is your enemy? No, it's God's enemy. You think sickness is your enemy? No, it's God's enemy. And he'll take care of his enemies a whole lot better than you can take care of those enemies in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet, would you please? I'm done. Whew.